0: You're listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most, with Outfluencer, Dr. Wayne Purnell. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, the Outfluencer, and your powerful presence mentor. Today, I have a super special guest. It's... uh, it's a superstar, Wonder Woman. Uh, just I can't say enough good things about her. She's uh, she's had quite a journey, and um, these last few years has been on fire. I wanted to welcome Emily Williams. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Wayne. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, you've got uh, I heart my life. Um, it didn't it didn't start that way though. Um, right. Talk about, so I, I I have you here because I love your journey. I love what you've done. I love what you're creating for just empowering, um, entrepreneurs to, to really take hold of their lives. And there's so many lessons that you've learned along the way you started in Ohio. And so talk a little bit about your journey. I, I just, I love this.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to share this story. So, I always say there's been essentially two moments where my whole life changed course. And the first one happened when I was driving from Ohio to Chicago to find an apartment in the city. I had just accepted a spot at Northwestern University where I was going to become a marital and family therapist, I was going to be getting a master's in psychology. And I was in the car driving there and got this feeling in the pit of my stomach, like something was off. And my mom luckily was in the driver's seat and she saw that something was off with me. I started crying and she asked me what was wrong. And I basically told her I wasn't sure that this was the right decision. And I wanted to go back to Ohio and spend a bit more time thinking about it. And that was really crazy because I had spent a few like eight months actually applying to schools around the United States, getting accepted into grad schools, and then finally made this decision. Obviously I'd spent four years studying psychology in undergrad. And so for to to say that this wasn't the right thing after spending years thinking about it was Foreign to me. It was strange, but I couldn't deny that something was wrong. So, luckily, my mom got it. We turned the car around and I went back to Ohio and entered into a major quarter life crisis. And, you know, I always knew I was meant for something big, but in that moment, there was no clarity. I had no options. I I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And so, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. When you don't have clarity, you just feel lost. And I felt a bit like a failure. I felt like, you know, I've spent all this money, my parents spent all this money on my education. And now what in the world am I doing? So that was a pretty dark period for me during that time.
0: It's gutsy too, to, to, you know, how many people set out, you know, this is my goal, this is what I want. And then when they get to it, it's like, this isn't what I want at all. And and how do you know that that's not like some resistance that you're supposed to quote unquote work through versus, you know what, this is the wake up call. This was like, this is off. This isn't resistance. This is just wrong. So how do you know that? Um, because <laughs> Because we all face that from time to time too, right? We work towards the things we want and then it's like, this is hard. And this was more than just hard for you, right?
1: Yeah, it was more than just hard. I was I couldn't bear the thought of going to this school and it was like, there was so much emotion there. It wasn't just fear. I had felt fear before I had felt, you know, um, cold feet and, and, you know, getting nervous about something, but this was different and I just knew that I couldn't do it. And I'm an achiever just like you. I've pushed myself to go to the next level. But like I said, this was different and so I just had to lean in and trust that. I'm not saying it was easy, but it, I just had, there was no other option. I just couldn't do this. And so basically, I decided I was going to try and get a job um, to pass the time until I had more clarity. So for a while, I worked in a hospital. I even thought that I was going to become a doctor at one point. I re enrolled in school and then took some chemistry classes and hated every second of it. And so every step of the way, I was just paying attention to my feelings and what was coming up for me my desires. And during that time, after working at the hospital, I even got a job at Starbucks and you know, was doing a bunch of random things. And I kept trying to, again, get that clarity. And the only thing that was coming to me was that I wanted to move to London, England, which again, sounds really strange. I'm a girl from Ohio. My family pretty much has all stayed in the same city their entire lives. So for me to want to leave, leave and move to London was, was odd. But I had been there previously and I really loved it. I, again, had this feeling like I was meant to be there. So the opposite of Chicago. And so I just started to pay attention to that. So I always call this like following the breadcrumbs. And for me, the breadcrumbs were my feelings and what was calling me, what was exciting me, what felt like the right next step. And so that was in August 2010 that I packed my bags, moved to London on a complete whim. I did have a plan, a bit of a plan. I had applied to a master's program program in nonfiction writing because I always wanted to write a book, which again, sounds random, but it'll make sense in a bit. And so I got a student visa, moved to England and started the next chapter of my life there.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing, right? So how many of us have the the breadcrumbs and feel like, well, I can't really pay attention to my feelings. There's this life of supposed to, right? There's all the other voices that we listen to. There's the, I've worked hard. I've come this far. And it's known as the gambler's dilemma, by the way, um, just for our audience, that that feeling of I've come this far, I'm supposed to go the next step, right? should just follow through. The gambler's dilemma is I've invested this much in this hand of cards. I should put in a little bit more and put in a little bit more, not realizing that actually folding gives you a whole new deal, right? And that's, that's what you did. You're like, you know what? It's not right. And you followed your emotions, which is so unusual, which is why you're on the path you're on because you, you took the unusual route That's awesome. So in London, some magic happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course, I didn't know why I was meant to live in London. It made no sense. But when I got there, I decided I was going to throw myself into the world of online dating. I had no clue what I wanted to do career wise. I had no um, I didn't have any friends. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to try and meet a guy. I'm going to try and fall in love. Right. That must be easier than trying to make girlfriends in a new city. So I threw myself into the world of online dating and for a year was like a serial online dater. And eventually I did meet my husband online. His name is James. And that's how you and I met, Wayne. And um, we work together now, which again is a part of the story that I'm sure I'll cover in a second. Yeah, James,
0: by the way, James has done an amazing interview on One Sharp Sword. It was a pleasure to have him here. So yeah, it's great to have you two, you here as well, because it's not the James and Emily show. You each are amazing, right? As individuals. So, so I wanted to make sure that we got to share your story and your path.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, We do have different paths, but obviously they've come together in a lot of ways. So we met about a year after I moved to the UK. And again, during that time, I still didn't have any idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was working as a nanny. I was in this master's program. I knew I wanted to write a book, but that wasn't the whole picture. And it wasn't until April 2013 that my friend sent me a link to Marie Forleo's website And up until that point, I had knew about coaching. My dad always had coaches. He was an entrepreneur, but they were always, you know, men in suits carrying little three ring binders. And Marie was a completely different type of coach. And I believe that that was the second moment my whole life changed course. I really felt drawn to her and her work. And if I'm honest with myself, I was a bit jealous, (laughs) but I learned that I could follow that jealousy and really allow it to show me what it was that I wanted. And once I discovered coaching and the way that she did it, I realized, you know what? I am my ideal client. I've been in this quarter life crisis. I had no money. I turned the car around. I was in this you know, place of confusion for so long. I didn't love my life. I want to help other women who know they're meant for something big to uncover their purpose and finally fall in love with themselves and their life. And so ultimately, that's how I Heart My Life was born in September 2013.
0: Wow, seven years that's awesome the uh the idea of jealousy I just wanted to explore that for a second because I think it is so important um you know we we look at people who are out there they they have more than we do. they've been doing this a long time um but who are they to do it and why can't we do it and and the idea of jealousy i I learned this uh recently in some of my studies um and that's it's a calling. It's like the reason you're jealous is because there's some stirring inside of you that says, "Do it. Just do it." It's not you once you start doing that thing that you're jealous of, you're no longer jealous of that person or that thing because you're on your own path. There's no reason, right? So,, um, yeah, I'm sure that 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 sort of landed for you when you started. When you started doing I Heart My Life, it was no longer you're jealous of Marie Forleo, but you appreciate her for having her path and you've got yours.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think that we can use jealousy for good or evil. And when we use it to show us what we want and we look at other people who have what we want and they're, we essentially remember that they're a reminder of something being possible. That's such a gift, right? Like I thought if Marie did it, well, she's just human. So maybe I can do it too. And so I think you can shift that into gratitude for the person or the thing that you might be jealous of in the moment and really use that to your advantage. And it, for me, it just, gave me so much clarity around what I actually wanted. And that was the best gift because I'd been searching for so many years to actually have that clarity. Then I knew I could put a plan in place and actually reach my next level goals.
0: Amazing. Love it. So what have been, I mean, that is a lesson in itself. I was going to ask you about some of the other lessons that you got, but that's kind of a, a lesson in itself that, really can you turn jealousy to gratitude and as soon as you do that look look at all the doors that open for you it's amazing so what else do you think you discovered either about yourself or about you know in in coaching you know sometimes the people that we coach the process actually opens doors for us or teaches us things what have been some of the key lessons for you and um what also Talk a little bit about your book and talk a little bit about um, You know how you translate the lessons that you've gotten into the lessons you now give
1: oh, I love that question yeah. So for me, I mean, just thinking about the timeline of everything, my first lesson was really in persistence. So when I started, I Heart My Life, I was thirty thousand dollars in credit card debt and ninety thousand dollars in student loan debt. So I didn't have any money; like I was below zero, and I yet and yet I had this big dream, and I had the dream of making a lot of money, having a lot of impact, and so. I really had to, you know, just humble myself because in the first month I made $442. And obviously that's not very much. It's not much to live off of. And so I kept my part-time job, which was as a matchmaker at the time. And I kept my part-time job and just moved forward with building the business. And there was even a period of time where I had 54 no's in a row. So I booked 54 discovery calls and had all these people, well, 53, 53 people say no to me and finally the 54th said yes. And so I realized very quickly, number one, I needed to get better at sales, which is a whole other conversation. But number two, I just needed to keep moving forward and be persistent. And I think that that's part of um, you know, what I teach women about desires is, and you know this as well from your work with David Nagel, is you don't actually have a desire without the potential of you creating it and fulfilling it existing at the same time. Like if you're aware that you want something, then you have the potential. And so what I realized early on was that desires were key for everything that I was doing and I just had to trust that I was given this desire for a reason. And it meant that I was able to make it happen. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always in your exact same time frame. And that's where persist persistence comes into play. And mm-hmm. But I just knew if I kept going, I would figure it out. And obviously, I also needed to help people or have people help me figure it out because I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to be a coach. And so really hiring the right people to support me was obviously another key uh, factor in my growth.
0: Huge. (laughs) That's awesome. I think it's so important to keep in mind that, uh, one, when you desire it, the answer is actually there, right? The thing you desire is, is waiting for you and it's waiting for you to get fully aligned um and the timing isn't always in the in the time frame that you think it quote should be you know it's like well i need it by this time it's like well maybe other doors open for you in that space and and give you a slightly different path which gives you a different edge so i love i love that i love that there's sort of this um it's a great blend of practical slash spiritual you know this this path of you've got to be open to the possibility versus you know it is supposed to be this way uh that's great that's great so um talk a little bit about your book you know you've got this this great book uh you you set out to do nonfiction writing you created this uh you created i i heart my life as a business and then Poof! outcomes comes this book, which was not poof. It's hard work to write a book. So good for you! And uh, talk a little bit about that, because I, you know, it's it's got some good lessons in it too.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I always knew I wanted to write something, and as I heard, my life grew. I had a lot of challenges, some of which I just described. We had a lot of wins, a lot of lessons. I have a lot of client stories. And so I knew that I wanted to provide other women with a roadmap, essentially, to reaching their goals. And so what I did was I basically took my journey of me moving to London. The whole book starts with this really depressing letter I wrote to myself on my 25th birthday about nothing going right in my life and Obviously, I desired the complete opposite. And then it goes into every step that I took, which was uncovering my purpose, getting clear around my desires, starting to transform my mindset, which included, included money mindset, which is a big part of my work as well. And then obviously clear action steps that I took to get those results as I built a business. Um, We also uncover challenges. There's a lot of things that have happened that haven't gone right, that have been amazing lessons that I learned. So basically, it's it's just a roadmap to creating a life and a business better than your dreams. And it's really real. It's really raw. It's really vulnerable. um, But it also gives people those tangible action steps. And I think that that's what's really special about my work is Although we do a lot of mindset work and there is some spiritual stuff to it, there's also a lot of practicality and a lot of, you know, strategy involved that we talk about. And so it's like people always say that I'm able to make money mindset really tangible for them. Um, Sometimes it can be a bit, you know, woo woo and people don't understand how to apply it, practically speaking. But this book really marries both really well.
0: Yes. Yes, it does. (laughs)
1: Thank
0: you, yeah, it's true. And you've got you've got um, some assessments. you know the, the it's it's really important to know where you are so that you can you can really plan where you want to go. Um, I see it sort of as a GPS. You know the the life in in general is like a GPS, and you have to have a starting point. Your GPS has to know where you are, and you have to have in mind where you want to go. And the key also then is that you have to take some action in order for the GPS to start to guide you, right? So that's part of it. Um, you, the assessments that you have are, um, they're financial, they are, um, they, you ask about social media presence, you ask about your financial status, you ask about um, dreams as well. Um, Is there an action step or two that you want to share with the audience at this point? Like if someone was saying, gosh, Emily, I have big dreams, but I don't even, I don't even know where to start. Where would you, where would you say to start?
1: Well, like you said, that GPS is key. So you have to know where it is that you're going. And I know that not everyone has that complete clarity at the moment. So that's why I really recommend paying attention to your desires, paying attention to your jealousy. Like who are those people out there that you are admiring on a regular basis, even if that admiration looks a bit like jealousy. And I always ask myself simple questions, even now, you know, if, I was destined to be success, or if this thing was destined to be successful, what would I create? What would I want to put out into the world? What would I want to do? How do I want to spend my time? And I really think that people don't allow themselves to dream. It's like, you know, we've been taught to do it this way, or I have this path and I'm on it, so I have to stick it out. But really allow yourself to get clear on what you actually want, because that's really the key to everything. And then, you know, we have all of the tools at our fingertips, whether it's hiring a coach, using Google, getting a book, whatever it is, buying a course, you can do anything that you want. And so, really, the first step is getting clear on what that thing is that you actually desire. And I personally, for so long, was in a place of feeling like nothing was working that I really had to shift my mindset and focus on what was working to even see more opportunities. And so I know how it feels, you know, to be down in the dumps and to not know um, when your life is going to get good, essentially. And so I actually chose to focus on things I was grateful for, all the things that were working well. And that really opened up my eyes and transformed my mindset to see other opportunities that were right there, which helped me create more clarity and create that plan.
0: Emily this is awesome because right now as we record this we're in month 9 of this pandemic right and so it's really easy to go well there's another thing that's taken away from me there's another rule that's imposed on me well we're not supposed to do this well i can't see family well i've you know lost touch with so and so or i've lost so and so or oh my gosh i'm worried about this other person and there're a lot of there're a lot of things now where we are faced with what could be another negative, another negative, another negative, and this mindset of, well, truly, there are a lot of options. What's available? What do I really desire? And kind of opening to that and feeling like, you know, this could really be a time of optimism if we let it be, right? And and so I love this. I love this message all the way around. I, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, I just, I love your path. I love the message. I love that you're uh, lifting women who have who have dreams, but ha- they haven't dared really to step in and say, my dreams are worth it, you know, and, and you lift them and you support them. And I think that's huge. I think that's huge.
1: Thank you. Um, Yeah. I mean, we're even seeing this in our programs. Like we, I just did a podcast episode with one of my clients because she has this huge laundry list of all the amazing things that have happened in her life and her business this year. And so, you know, I know that there have been challenges. We've even have team members, one of my team members, her dad died from COVID this year, but I even had a conversation with her about how, because of that, she's now closer than ever before to her mom. Right. So even the people who have been through horrific things this year are able to see some sort of light if they look for it. And for me, that's been the key to shifting out of that quarter life crisis and actually seeing the opportunities. And it continues to be the key because running a business is not easy. There are always going to be challenges. And so you get to decide how you look at things.
0: Totally. You get to decide. That's it's like. That's a huge key. Perspective is everything. You get to decide and you're the one that gives it meaning, right? We give meaning to all the things in our life and there, you know, we could, we could live this life of things always happen to me. Or I think it was Tony Robbins or maybe somebody before him that said, you know, life happens to you or life happens for you and you get to decide. Right. You get to decide. That's and I think
1: COVID for a lot of people, like life did it for them. One of my clients, her business was completely brick and mortar and she took it all online and now it's thriving like more than ever before. Like she didn't choose that. Life did it for her. And I think that's a really important way to look at things.
0: It's huge. It's, it's huge. Um, My commute has uh, shortened to about 12 (laughs) seconds. uh, (laughs) I get dressed, and come down the hallway and here I am. Uh, uh, You know, I, it's, it's amazing. I'm doing, I'm doing television about uh, once to twice a week. And so rather than flying to studios, I get to do it from here. And so it's a, it really is. There's a lot of, I get to versus I have to, you know, and um, just, I love that too. Um, what else? What, what would you, what are you hoping that either, uh, <laughs> what are you hoping either I would ask you uh, and I haven't asked you yet, or what kind of message were, are you hoping that you could bring to our Yeah.
1: I mean, I think one of the biggest lessons that I kind of touched on was really shifting my money mindset in the beginning. And I think in particular, when it comes to sales, a lot of people really, there's just a lot of work to be done in that area. And I think when you start a business, you aren't necessarily um, taught how to sell. You're not taught how to have conversations about money. You're not taught how to overcome objections when people tell you they don't want to work with you. So like I said, as a part of my story, um, a big part of my story was learning how to transform my own money mindset and getting comfortable actually talking about money. And so I think that's one of the biggest things I would have people take a look at, especially now as we're nearing the end of the year at the time we're recording this, you know, how much money did you actually make this year versus what you desire to make? And what are your beliefs around money that could be holding you back from going to that next financial level? Because honestly, you can make as much money as you desire to make. It really is a choice. It's a mindset, obviously setting up your business so it has the capacity to receive that amount of money, but it starts with your mindset. And so for me, one of the key points was just getting clear on the amount of money I wanted to make and then uncovering any of the blocks that were stopping me from doing that. And what that means is just any thoughts about money. I remember in particular, one of my coaches, she told me I could turn my annual salary as a matchmaker, which was about $30,000 a year into my monthly income. And at first I thought she was completely crazy, but then I realized, you know what? She's doing this. Other people are doing it. It must be possible. So I'm going to choose to believe I'm going to remove all of the doubts that's there and choose to believe her and start to remind myself every single day, the money is available for me. Because I think a lot of people, You know, our our mindset is rooted in lack. We think that there's not enough. We think that the clients aren't out there, that no one's going to buy if we raise our prices, but that's absolutely not true. You just have to shift your thinking.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. 7 billion people on the planet. Oh, there's not enough to sell to. (laughs) There's not enough that might want something I, I might have to say. And recognizing that sales is nothing more than making an offer of the thing that you think is valuable enough to lift somebody else up, right? So whether it's a product or a service, you're helping them by putting that in front of them, and that's a mindset shift. The whole idea of um you know, how do you turn a uh, uh an annual into a monthly? Um that's amazing, right? That's a, a and that is just a matter of a shift in belief. And it, that is a really hard mindset shift because once you do it, you have to stick with it. I think we've been trained to go, yeah, see, there's another reason why it won't work. And as soon as we, <laughs> we fall back into, yeah, see, there's another reason why it won't work. We, we have to reset our minds once more and go, no, no, I believe that it's possible. And as you said, set the business up to make sure that there's a pathway for that to actually become true. So I love yeah. that.
1: I mean, one of the mentors that you and I have both worked with, David Nagel, he talks about that exact thing about the moment that he decided he was going to turn his annual income into his monthly income. And at first he was going about it in the wrong way. His business wasn't actually set up to sell the thing that he wanted to sell. So I, you know, I love that. And I always think to myself, what is the fastest, easiest, and most joyful way to making this money? You know, what is fast for my company right now? What do we already have in place? what feels good and what is going to be easiest because you want to bring that energy into your process. And in the beginning for me, you know, I focused on -on one-on-one work. I didn't have a team. I didn't have a group program. I didn't have any courses. And so that was really how I built my business. And I went from $442 to seven figures in my first 18 months. And was it like poof? No, it sounds like it was, but I was working a ton and I was working on my mindset in addition to the creation of the offerings, in addition to the marketing and the sales. So it's really that that fusion of mindset plus the strategy based on where you're at in the moment. And then, of course, you add in new things and you you know have different streams of income. But I think a lot of people make it harder than it needs to be. And you just need to focus on where you're at in the moment and then grow from there.
0: So let's talk about mindset for a second, because a lot of people are like, well, you know, if I just think about it, shouldn't, shouldn't it just happen? And, and the reality is there's a lot of unlearning that has to happen along the way. And that's actually the, that's like hidden work, you know, that, that when I was doing it and to a degree still doing it, it's like, oh my gosh, this, this story, this belief, you know, we talk about, um. Um, What are your limiting beliefs? It's like, well, if I knew what they were, I would just (laughs) conquer them right away, right? And so it's a lot of work to go, well, I didn't realize that that story that was handed down from my grandfather to my father to me, just in the style, the way he was in his daily life, that that actually affected me, that that actually affected the way that I related with, uh, with money, with people, with my business, and all of that is like, wow, there's an undoing in order to to it's like tilling the soil. it's like that crust has to be broken up so that new things can be planted and you know i I, I mean for me that's that was my reality. I was looking at my grandparents, down to my parents, down to me um and there's a lot of history that makes sense for them, but not for me to live my life the way I desire. And there's that, you know, that word again, how about you? What, what, what do you find that you needed to undo? Is there something that was, you know, like, darn it, this was the hardest work for me.
1: Yeah. I think for me, just talking about money, so when people were on sales calls with me and they told me they wanted to work with me and then in the next breath, they said, oh, but I don't have the money at first, which, you know, made me go into that place of 53 no's. I was like, okay, no problem. buy," And that was it. And so I had to get really comfortable having conversations about money and moving past this fear of being too pushy or being too salesy. Um, Because, you know, although my parents always had money growing up, we didn't really talk about it. It wasn't part of the conversation. And that says something in itself, right? If your family isn't actually talking about money, then there's a stereotype or a stigma associated with that. So I had to get really good at reminding myself on a regular basis that it was actually my duty to have these financial conversations with these women because getting them into my program was the only way I was going to be able to really help them. And so we changed the conversation from salesy and pushy to of being of service to them. And so I realized having the open conversation, asking them about where they could find the money to fund their dreams, being willing to help them move past their own money blocks right there on the call, I realized that was part of my job. And so I could no longer hide behind my fear of being too salesy or pushy. I had to be of service to the people who needed me because they didn't need another person to say, Oh yeah, you don't have the money. Don't worry. Do it next time. They needed someone to take a stand for their dreams.
0: It's, it's interesting. It's almost like you were taught to be polite, right? It's not polite to talk about money. It's sort of, um, you know, if somebody fell and broke their arm and and a bone was sticking through, right? It's like that's called a compound fracture. That's that needs immediate attention. But you wouldn't say, Oh, excuse me, it looks like um, well, you know, you'll let me know if you're if you're hurt or need to go to the hospital or something. You'd go, Oh my gosh, I can see you need this. Let's go. <laughs> right. And it's I love that example. Up. Right. It stops yeah. being about polite. It's like I've got something that I know will help you. Let's go. Yes. And right. So that's a huge breakthrough. That's 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 great, you know? Yeah. Uh,
1: and I think just removing any of the Um, thoughts about what was possible for me, because when I started, I really just wanted to hit six figures. That was all I thought about. And then, you know, I surpassed that within six months. And so really just having people around me who showed me what was possible and showed me that there is an unlimited amount of money to be made if you open your eyes to it. And I think, you know, one of the exercises everyone can try is really think about your next level goals. So maybe that's coming up in 2021. What is that financial goal for you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a lot of people, it feels exciting. They're, you know, they can't wait to achieve that. Then what I tell people is five times that goal. And then when that number flashes in your mind, you'll very quickly see any limiting beliefs, any doubts, any fears that are still there for you. Because I have a lot of people who tell me, oh, I don't have any money blocks. But that's because they're playing it safe and they're not actually dreaming big. And so we want to amplify what those goals are to identify any of the stuff that's stopping us from getting there.
0: That's fabulous. That's the... Right. The, you, it's like, well, what do you think you want to accomplish? All right. Five, five exit, five times it or 10 times it. And then watch when you're, when you hold your breath around that.
1: Right. Because <laughs> a lot of people think, you know, even this was me, what are people going to think if I make that amount of money? You know, is it okay to make more money than my parents? Like all of this stuff starts coming up and all of that is going to stop you and cause you to self-sabotage or hold yourself back unless you address it.
0: I love this for this particular episode for a very particular reason. I don't know how many times you've used or in in our conversation the word money has come up. But I know it's more than any other uh conversation I've ever had, right? It's like because money, because money, because money and it's just sort of like because flowers, because you know, <laughs> like it could be anything and because uh fruit you know it's like <laughs> right it's like it yeah. should be just part of a daily conversation it should be part of a of normal it could be anything and yet when people say well money it's sort of like everything tenses and it doesn't have to right it's like totally. what <laughs> My which dad is-
1: claims that money was the first word I ever said, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which yeah. I love to believe is true. But yeah, even just thinking about what, like what comes up in your body when you think of the, the word money or when you say it out loud. And for a lot of people, it's scarcity. It's there's not enough. Money doesn't grow on trees. There's shame. I don't want to be too greedy. You know, I grew up in the Catholic church. There's a lot of shame associated with wealth, right? Except they, they expect you to donate to the little, the little basket every single week, right? but you're not supposed to have a lot of money. It's it's very, there's a lot of mixed messages.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we're all, it doesn't matter how you grew up, usually it's, uh, or what religion, it's there. You know, yep. the, the mixed messages are there. Um,
1: what were some of the ones you had to overcome?
0: Well, here, <laughs> my dad taught me something that his dad taught him. And that is rich or poor, it's good to have money. And it's like, that's funny Right, rich or rich or poor, it's good to have money, <laughs> uh, but the, that's pretty much where the lesson stopped in so many ways. <laughs> so how <laughs> no, what do does you that get, even mean? <laughs> how do you get it? How do you uh, how do you uh, nurture it? How do you care for it? How do you grow it? So yeah, so some of the other stories, you know, some of the other some of the other things are uh, that there's almost enough. Like that was the big one for me. That, Mm -hmm. that as you get to this place, there's enough or there's almost enough, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, so for me, the, the success hurdle to get past was there's, there's an abundance, there's more than enough. It's not just almost enough. It's not like you work really hard and get to the almost place you work really hard and you get over the hurdle and then it stops being the work stops being as hard. Mm. And that was a huge lesson. A huge lesson. Um because it always it always felt like I would get to a place and then something would happen and it would be taken away. And so I just expect it. And and as I was expecting it in retrospect looking back I realized and I was building it in. Mm. Right? And there's so much of that, that we all do. Um, and, and a lot of that is historical. A lot of that is, um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a really nice area of Southern California. And um, because of my parents' history, it was always, well, what will the neighbors think? What will the neighbors think? And so there was always this, well, you can't talk about anything in your life, and especially not um, not wealth. Like, and, so, yeah. and so there was this mindset of, well, you can't really have, right? And it's like, darn it, right? So there was a lot to overcome. And I have, I have friends that have started from much less than, right and have far surpassed and and it's because they broke through the oh not supposed to have says who kind of thing right so it's been it's an amazing journey once you start to overcome that it's still it still fascinates me how talking about money is still there's there's this um kind of aura around it that's you know, you still shouldn't talk about it. I mean, it's fine to talk about it, but you shouldn't talk about it. And it's like, no, no, talk about it. Right. Again, talk about it. Like you talk about flowers or books or fruit or a cat that's loose somewhere in my studio. Right. It's um,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I know that, you know, this as well, but one of the reasons that we keep ourselves at like the just enough space is because we don't want to be too big, but we don't want to go to the place of not having enough where people notice that we don't have enough. Like it's either one extreme or another, and we're avoiding that. So we keep ourselves like right in the middle or right under And so it all comes down to, you know, fear of judgment, fear of what people are going to think, and ultimately fear of not being safe. And it's so fascinating when we uncover all these ways of thinking. And like you said, you know, our parents didn't teach us this to be harmful, it was what they believed and what they were taught. And at a point, it maybe it did serve them to operate in that way. But now, especially when you start a business and you want to make a difference in the world, you have to get out of that, you know, safe mindset and realize like, if your job is to have an impact, well, you're going to shine, you're going to have to step outside of the box and it takes a lot of money to have an impact. And so, you know, moving past those limitations, it's, it's essential.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. If you want to have an impact, you're going to shine. That's a, that's so good. It's so right. And, and, you know, even those. <clears throat> Even those who didn't like have money flowing through them, they had organizations that had money flowing around them. You know, the Mother Teresa's, for example, she wasn't like rolling in the dough, she was, but she was doing good because, right. because her organization grew. Right. And, and it's, I love that. Uh, just the whole concept of it's, it is a, tool or a nutrient right if you think Mm -hmm. about it as a nutrient for your business it's like it's gonna fuel you and if you want to get bigger and grow stronger it's not just about eating your spinach it's about you've got to have the the money flowing through which is which is fabulous totally awesome so um cool what if people wanted to know more about you about i heart my life about uh about the work you do,
1: yeah, the best place find to you? find me, yeah, the best place to find me is on iheartmylife.com. We're also on Instagram. I have two accounts there. One is I My Life" and one is I am Emily Williams. So we'd love for you to follow us there. We're always doing webinars and trainings. We have lots of freebies. We have incredible programs for new and aspiring coaches who want to grow their own online business, so definitely check us out.
0: Awesome. I heart my life.com. That's great. Uh, any other words or we're good at this point?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think the message here is to trust your desires. I believe that our desires are dropped in just like any other part of us, just like our DNA. They're a part of us for a reason. So really trust that and remember the sky is the limit. Anything is possible for you and you know your vision and your life.
0: So good. So good. Emily Williams, my guest today. Thank you for being here. Really thank you, good. Wayne.
1: And I'm grateful for your friendship and you have the most amazing energy. So anytime I get a chance to speak to you, it's always a bright part of my day.
0: Uh, thank you. It's uh, That is mutual. Thank you, Emily. All right. This is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. My guest has been Emily Williams iheartmylife.com. And I am Dr. P, the Outfluencer and your powerful presence mentor. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with Outfluencer, Dr. Wayne Purnell. For more information, please go to onesharpsword.com.